welcome to Gifts of the Weird. I'm John, your host, and I am happy to have with me um, Ash McKernan. He is an author of uh, the book that just came out in the last couple of months of 2023, Weird Craft, Healing Self and Nature Through the Mysteries of the Fates. Really excited to have him with us. Ash is a licensed psychotherapist, ecotherapist, bard in training, lifelong explorer of weird, and author of the book Weird Craft, published by Llewellyn Worldwide. Ash currently lives on Mount Desert Island in Maine, where he loves to spend time at the Crossroads, where Psyche, Nature, Magic, and Healing intersect. Ash, welcome to Gifts of the Weird. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Really looking forward to it. This is a this is a type of book that I normally do not pick up for myself. And so it's really kind of a, a first book for me. And I found it very interesting and very, how do I say... I don't want to say dense, but just filled with a lot. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's a big, It's there, there's a lot to it. And not a book that one can just kind of read casually on a Sunday afternoon at a pool or just kind of speed through it. <laughs> it definitely a, has a lot. It's an undertaking. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> well, before we get going, tell us a little bit about yourself. And I'm really kind of interested in this bard in training aspect of it. Uh, mm-hmm. are you, tell us about being a bard. Well, um, I say bard in training because I feel like I'm still learning. And, you know, I've been playing music since I was about 14, but it's shape shifted over the years into different forms. And kind of more recently, it's taken on kind of a bard like, I guess, recently as of the past, I don't know, four or five years. Um, it's taken on a bard like thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's <laughs> storytelling some poetry, just there's more, more crowd interaction and, and it's, it's challenging, you know? So I feel like I'm practicing every time I play it's, it's practice and I'm in training and I would love to meet a bard elder to train with. Actually, I have many over the years, but um, yeah, that's the bard and training part. Super. That's great to hear. Well, tell us about yourself, your background as a pagan or heathen, uh, explorer of weird, and then a little bit about yourself. I am, yeah, yeah. I'm a pagan. I'm a pagan heathen. I love it. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I've been exploring weird a long time. You know, it all began in the woods. A lot of a lot of stories start that way, and it's kind of taken winding road and, you know, very foolish kind of process of learning and living and, you know, very much like everyone else's life. I I do think that weird, you know, everybody is just, you know, weird permeates everything and everybody's doing their weird thing. So yeah, I've, I've come to weird over the course of my life through many situations and experiences and, you know, I don't really go into that a lot in the book, but I could go into a little bit here. But early childhood kind of like near-death experience was one and um, other actually, yeah, some scary stuff, dying in dreams a lot. I mean, it, it really has been a, an unfolding that has really permeated my life. So it's hard to look back and say that, oh, that was not weird or something. It's just, but I think becoming a therapist was a big part of it. And before that, being a musician was a big part, and and also being a part of different magical communities over the years. I was in uh, kind of loosely in reclaiming 
I like reclaiming because it is a very kind of you come and go when you want and you can you can join in and go deep in the planning when you want and step back. And um, at least that was my experience of it. Yeah, different different communities, different people that I've encountered with over the years, different synchronicities, different um, teachings. And yeah, I was into Buddhism. I was into I was in a Tantra group for a number of years. And that that also connects with my kind of experience with Saith as well, which I'm hesitant to even call it Saith because I haven't been officially trained as any sort of Saith practitioner, but it is something I've learned by being in the forest, right? So it all kind of goes back to the forest. And that's kind of who wrote the book in a way as well, in, in a weird way. I wonder if part of the density or, or the complexity or, or just the speed that it takes to get through it is because there is a lot of tree kind of energy moving through it. You know, it's very, you have to go very slow. I guess you don't have to, but, but it's, it works on you more if you go slower and take your time. And it's kind of like a forest. There's tons of different concepts in the book. It's book is kind of this ecosystem of like ideas and concepts and processes and, you know, beings and, yeah, I mean, you know, so you, you read it, but yeah, it's it's kind of I kind of see it as a forest that you're kind of exploring, and you know, you walk into and you sit places and you look at this thing and look at that thing, and it just it's a opening of awareness, kind of. So I guess that is the thread moving through my life and how it connects with weird is that I, my my awareness has been opened by a lot of different things. You know, that's that's really interesting that you mentioned the tree energy going through the creation of the book. Mm-hmm. And the the forest element of it, because that that really makes so much sense. I, I could see how moving through and at that the pace of a tree growing or of some of the other, and then also, but also seeing some of the other elements of the forest that kind of grow a little quicker, they bloom and they they fruit sooner than others. And that those are kind of the aspects of our journey as well, right? We have different things that grow and bloom at different paces and. They show us different results at different times. So that's a really great way to, to look at the book, I think. Yeah, I think things are constantly being born and constantly dying and constantly transforming and becoming. That's what the book is about, ultimately, kind of like in a spiritual sense. I, I do think that it is a book about healing primarily and specifically a book about holistic healing. And then more specifically, a book about magical healing. And I say holistic because it's um, you know, it's not just healing mind. It's my, I break it apart in the book, but mind, body, relationship, environment, soul, and spirit. So all of these domains being interwoven into one thing, being the web of weird. And then this process of healing the web of weird, healing all of these domains because I think as people become more aware of what weird is and how weird manifests, it's inevitable that we become aware of the wounds because we become aware of everything. It's like life and death and the little things, the big things, the you know meaning, purpose, soul, nature, magic, and also blocks and challenges and fears. And so, yeah, weird draws us into those experiences naturally so that we can heal those experiences. 
it brings us kind of face to face, side by side, and heart to heart with with ourselves, with each other, with our world, and with the issues in our world. And at the same time, it shows you beauty, right? Like when you go on a forest walk, you you see a flower, and you're like, holy shit. Or or you see a a lake or a mountain or a cloud or you know so many things are just they they make you stop and and appreciate and you feel gratitude and and they they inspire so I think yeah all of those all of those things are within us that inspiration and the will and the the courage and the the foolishness which is really helpful to have along with the courage and the love healing healing in a way is like is a very loving thing and the more we heal the more the more we more whole we become so heal, healing is like a kind of a trickster kind of term in a way like it has a lot of different meanings and it can mean different things and you know I go into that in the book one of the things that we want to definitely remind folks is is that this is one of a tools and it's not as part of a process and that people should definitely seek care from professional persons who are trained to take care of certain aspects of healing and mental, emotional, and those types of things that they may be dealing with. And this is just a part of uh, that aspect that can help them, right? Yeah. As, as, as we become more aware of weird and how weird manifests within us, in our lives and our relationships, basically in all the domains, we see the wounds, we see the the trauma, you know, we see the the things that we do to ourselves and to others, and the things that happen to us and to others, and it's it's, it's really overwhelming. Um, yeah, a lot comes up. It can be triggering, you know. And so, yeah, it's great to have guides, great to have elders, great to have mentors, great to have people who've been through it to some extent and who can can hold space can can hold these contents as they come up and can help you make sense of them and help you learn to relate to them in in healthier and healthier ways yeah so as a therapist that you know that's what therapists do in general and 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 also there are a lot of different experts like there's experts who are amazing at healing the domain of environment there's ecologists and there's like guides who are out there healing ecosystems. There's people that are doing that. Weirdcraft is good because you'll become more aware of the people that are already doing the work that can teach, that, that you can learn from, and, and that you can teach them because we all have our, our, all of our gifts. We all have our own weird, and our weird is our wholeness. It's our soul. It's our nature. It's our way of being. And it's light and dark, you know, there's shadow, there's, there's all the wounds and stuff, but there's all this, and I should say, there's all this magic within us and all this potential. And, and we each have our own, we each have our own weird, our own gifts, our own soul to bring into the world and to share with others. And so that's equally as healing for us and as others and for others and for the environment and for you know, everything, the more and more that we can unearth our light, so to speak, our, our weird. Well, let's talk about weird. We've been using that word a lot. And there may be some folks who are not quite sure what that means. And they're not sure what we're referring to. Are we referring to weird as in W-E-I-R-D? Or oh, that's really strange or 
crazy kind of out there or W-Y-R-D, which is um, the, the spelling in the book and mostly what you're referring to. But a lot of people, it, weird is such a complex, but not complex at times, concept. So um, how would you think that it could be best distilled down or, or explain to somebody who's just kind of listening to and saying, I don't know if this book fits me. I don't know what weird is. Yeah, that's, it's a really huge question. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. And weird is paradoxical. It's simple and complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one one way to describe it, it could be called Tao. Tao means the way. And it also means nature. Like if you imagine nature with a capital N even. Mm-hmm. Um, soul, magic, and how all of these things weave together into a braid. And that braid is is weird. Weird weird is a gestalt of a concept. It's a it's a whole composed of many parts. And I, I do I do see weird with a Y and weird with an E I R D as the same. Mm. Uh, the way that we use weird now is very accurate in that it it's it, it describes the nature of weird with a Y. So weird weird is everything. You know it, weird is death. And now that's how weird was seen in the lore, like in the in like Beowulf, for example, and that's how weird is often seen now. Is weird can be a bad thing. Can people can be scared of it, and it can conjure up images of the of death and the supernatural, the occult, the the witch. You know this these kind of archetypes and odd, strange, eccentric. You know all those that that which is different, like different. I mean queerness. Mm-hmm. These, you know, the witch was the one on the on the edges of town. You know, supposedly I I wasn't living back then. Well, maybe I was in a different life, but yeah, the witch, uh, the vulva, the sage practitioner, the the one doing utiseta was out in the woods or at the burial mound. You know, doing these very strange practices that other people may have understood back then a little more. But what weird used to be transformed into weird that we know now. And and I do have a theory about that is that we, we lost animism. We basically forgot animism. And weird is an animist concept. Weird permeates everything. Weird is soul, right? So it's when when the soul was kind of sequestered to the church or to the Bible or to the priesthood or, you know, it was t- basically taken out of nature. And that's when weird, as it used to be known, became weird as we know it now. It lost its depth and became more surface level. And so, yeah, it just became this superficial thing that we brush off like, oh, that's weird. But if you, if you really pause with those moments, oh, that was weird and really think about it like, huh. There's usually depth to that. Like whenever I hear a client say that, whenever I hear anyone say it to, at this point, you know, I've been writing about it for a while and just thinking about it so much that I hear it all the time, of course. And um, oftentimes it's like, oh yeah, that is that is weird with a Y too. Because it's somehow related to the pers- you know, person's um, fate and destiny and nature and soul and magic and process of becoming. So that's that's all weird. And it's magic. I mean, it's just amazing to see. So as we practice weirdcraft, we attune to this being or attune to this mystery because, you know, it is a mist. Weird is a mystery, but it's a mystery that pulls us into it. You know, it's a mystery that that it's the call of the fates. You know, it's this this call. It's calling. It's pulling us towards it. It's pushing us towards it. And, you know, we hear it, we feel it and we move towards it. 
through the moments, like moments that are meaningful or moments that are purposeful, doing doing things that feel purposeful. All of that is kind of our weird connecting to the larger weird, to the greater weird. And it's one reason why it's so healing, because as we connect with this transpersonal weird, this beyond the personal weird, we heal and we become that which we are meant to become. You know, that is the fate and destiny part. We we f- we move towards our destiny when that happens. And which is the ultimate healing is the complete return to our final fate and destiny, which is the return to source. Mm-hmm. So um, I, 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 I consider the source to be weird as well, because when I've gotten closest to source, I've been turned inside out. And I mean, that that experience is is the weirdest experience I've ever had in my life mm-hmm. in, in all meanings of the word. So blessed be weird. You yeah. know? Well, one of the things that I liked that you, uh, in one, and I can't remember which chapter it is, but was that you were talking about all of the, how weird is that encompassing web? And there's so much around it and that so many things are a big part of it. And sometimes I think people think of weird as just, oh, that's fate. You know, just that one linear or that one aspect of what weird is, they kind of just equate it, they distill it down to just a simple keyword of fate, but it's so much more complex and involved with that. And I like how you, in, in the book, we're talking about how you can work on one aspect of those strands of weird and then bring them together into a bigger aspect of things to, to look at and work on. So it was a really nice way for me to see how you were kind of laying that out and how I was visualizing that and then bringing in the Norns and the Morai and the spider goddesses and, and just all from around the world. It's so connected around the world, no matter what we call it, whether it's weird or like you said earlier, Tao or something else, it's there regardless of what we call it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful how many names it's been given around the world and how many how many faces it's been given. All the different clothing, so to speak, or it's a kaleidoscope, really. The, uh, one of the practicalities of the book itself that I really liked and I think is going to make this book so useful to people is the, the number of exercises that you put in there for people to take advantage of during their process of going through it. And it's not just like one at the end of each chapter. Sometimes there's several within the same chapter. So you really put a lot of thought and opportunity for people to actually kind of sit with the, the material and work with it. How did some of those exercises come about or, or were these things that you sat down and did yourself or did they just kind of come through the weird process or groups and whatnot? Because I mean, that's really, I think that's really going to be a big help to people. Yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to open the book for a second and go to that page where it lists the exercise just so I can look at some of them. Well, for one, uh, I put those in there, one, because Llewellyn asked me to. Like originally I wrote it and, and it didn't have any, um, but that was like early on in the writing, but yeah, they asked me to add some, and then it just got really fun because I was like, "Oh, I get to, I get to write about all these things, all these cool experiments that I've done over the years, and actually um, share those." Mm-hmm. And you know, it it makes a lot of sense because I, I I say it in the book a bunch that weird is an experience, so it's great to be able to facilitate the experience of weird because that's that's how each of us will come to know what it means, you know. Whatever I say, it's just my experience. And 
everybody else will have their own unique experience of weird because everybody has their own weird and and everybody's weird connects to the greater weird in kind of ways that only they can know in a way mm-hmm. even though there's we can all share the experience too in in, a, in an awesome way i mean just as we're sharing living together we're sharing life together and sharing death and grieving and healing and and all of it but yeah, so so a lot of these exercises came from when I was in grad school to become a therapist and so yeah and and a lot of a lot of them came from just sitting in the woods and meditating um, came from other teachers that I've had other experiences that I've had in ritual le- um, led by other people you did a really great job of laying the exercises out. So like you explain what the intent is. I like, and then you, you gave a time, a a time possibility. I'm not going to say an expectation, but like, here's Mm -hmm. what it could be. It could be from five to five minutes to 30 minutes. And, Mm -hmm. and it kind of gives that, that flexibility that that's one of the things that I really liked about your style of exercises is that it's very flexible. You, you gave what, what, what a person would need, whether they needed a candle or incense, a cushion to sit on or back brace, you know, something like that. And then one of the things that I noticed that I really liked was you didn't give a prescribed entryway into the meditation realm. Mm-hmm. And I liked how you're just like, um, get into your meditation space however you normally do, basically. <laughs> I mean, you're not quite that simple, but uh, when you when you said it, uh, when you wrote it, but basically that's what I felt like. I felt like, wow, I can just get into my meditation space and then start working on, on the stuff that you put into the book. So I really appreciate that about your meditation. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy hearing that. And that just kind of echoes a little bit of you know, everybody has their own weird. And I want you to be able to experience your own weird, however that may be. And it, it's going to change in every every moment. And it's kind of fun to see what, like, if I, if I leave space, there's more possibility in a way. Well, maybe it's the same amount of possibility, but it makes, it makes me feel excited to wonder what comes up in people's experiences with the meditations and with the exercises, because yeah, because there is space there. Yeah. So that brings me up to, um, I know someone who's actually has the book and they're, they are working on it. And, and I said, do you have a question for Ash based on what you've already been through? And one of their questions was, because of such deep work, do you suggest this as possibility to be used as a text for small group work? Alternatively, how would someone who doesn't have a small group work through it? So two questions, really. Yeah. So yes. I think it would be great for small group work. That that actually sounds really fun. And that's that's kind of what I do when I, I've been traveling around and doing kind of book events. And I've been calling them, well, well there's kind of like mysteries of weird workshops. And that's what we do. And we explore weird together as a group. So it's uh, we're all getting to know each other and we're all getting to know weird and each other's weird. And in a way, our own gifts, our, our, tr- our challenges. And I think there's a lot of potential to, to do deeper work, you know, in that same way, like, ac- like actually group therapy. And that, you know, of course, is best done with a guide or, you know, mm-hmm. a therapist, an elder of some kind. And and with people you trust or feel like you can get yeah. to know and trust. Yeah. And and it's what was the second question? Oh yeah, individually. Individual um, work. Yeah. How how would someone be able to 
best manage I think, that. Yeah, if it was in doing it individually, it's good to probably have a journal. And I recommend that in a number of the exercises. You but do. You do. In, yeah, in, in general, a lot of a lot of stuff is going to come up and, you know, good, bad, neutral in between, you know, and could be could be a lot to process. So it'd be helpful to have a therapist or, you know, somebody to process somebody to, to hold space and to reflect back the unconscious, excuse me, the unconscious is a trickster. And, mm. and we don't, we can't see it until it forces its way into our awareness through maybe a trick or or by becoming more and more aware, right? We can do it mindfully. We can kind of become aware. But Yeah, definitely. So uh, yeah. and just another part about uh, talking about the meditation, sometimes you have a lot of really cool stuff to go through. How can someone who doesn't have a guy like doing it by themselves, how, what do you recommend might be the best way to kind of remember some of those steps so that they can stay in the meditation process but still be able to access the the things that you say, hey, look at this or look at this. Yeah. So reading through the whole thing first, um, I think is a good idea. And then if you want, record yourself speaking it, you know, and you can listen to yourself or I don't know, experiment with it. Yeah, because it may not work. Some 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 of those exercises, you know, they're not for everybody. Right. And but working with a friend could be cool, too. One of the other chapters that I really found grounding and a great starting point is your chapter on magic. I found that very useful and practical. And that's not just for like inner working, but just to kind of help set up a spiritual walk in weird that is a daily part of a life and not always just like, oh, I only connect with weird when I'm at ritual or when I'm doing a meditation. But the chapter on magic was really interesting and you brought some practical things like creating an altar space, creating space for when you're out in nature and just even about being more observant and aware. And uh, one of the things that I really liked was the emphasis that you put on setting your spiritual boundaries. You don't always have to just be open and do everything that a god or a spirit says. And uh, I love the banishing growl. It's a profound practice. You know, it's funny. It's profound because it's, it's like, yeah, it's multifaceted. It is fun. It's playful. And it's empowering. Mm-hmm. In a really interesting way, I think, to work with energetic boundaries as well as physical boundaries, you know, and I, that one came out of doing a lot of night hikes. Like I would go, I'd go into the woods and sit out, you know, and meditate and find a place and some animals would come close and also other kind of spirits, you know, mm-hmm. and, and some of them I didn't want around me. And so I, I kind of learned that the growl was a way that helped me to get into my solar plexus. It helped me to access my, my kind of solar energy and to, in a, in a loving way, just like the sun is, is very loving but also you don't you don't want to mess with the sun you know it's like it's not afraid it's just in the open it's just like this is me you know mm-hmm. and and i think the growl helps one to kind of access that that energy and it does create a great bubble you know a great boundary and and if people get closer you growl louder just like a dog you yeah. know yeah. it starts slow just like mm, you know what that dog is saying and and if it gets louder you know what it's saying so yeah, I really like that. I think that's a very good reminder that we can say no to even spiritual encroachments. And uh, that's that was great. I really liked it. It was a great chapter. It was yeah. fun to write. 
I really liked writing the, um, getting into this idea of magic as being kind of like a being. And that, that was fun because I started to think about this concept that Rumi said that that which you are seeking is seeking you. And I thought of how much that I've been exploring magic and trying to learn different ways of magic and hanging out with other people. And we're all just, we're doing magic together. And it's like, what if this thing that we're all doing actually a being that is trying to know it's trying to get to know us just as much as we're trying to get to know it and it's the destiny of magic has something to do with us you know just as our destiny has something to do with magic and as we know each other that's kind of a return to source kind of thing where they they kind of need us magic needs us to return to source just as we need magic to return to source. It's trippy, right? It's like a, it's a psychedelic concept. It's a soul revealing concept. That's what that word means, soul revealing, psychedelic. I could go on. Well, before we wrap up, one thing that I wanted to touch on was nature. So you talk a lot about nature and getting into the forest and the the loss of nature and how the loss of animism. And I think that sometimes it seems to me like that I think people feel like they can't have this kind of connection to weird or spirit or nature spirits unless they're out in the wilderness. And mm. I, I find that sad because most people are living in cities and nature still exists in cities. Nature spirits still exist in, in cities. And the the weird still wraps its web around there and what advice can you give to people who might think that well unless i'm out in the wilderness in montana where my nearest neighbor is five miles away i can't have spirit here we are in concrete jungles from new york to you know los angeles and all in between and varying degrees of how nature is presented and i get it you know we have a concrete jungle and we have paved over we've paved over paradise thanks johnny mitchell (laughs) and uh humans have done that thing (laughs) but we're here, we're, we're stuck with it. So what are some ways that you wanna, that you can impart to people on how they can still touch base with animism and nature and spirit while they're in their cities? Um, good question, yeah. So one way is just to be aware, to become more and more aware of what is happening in the moment. There's, you know, there's exercises in the book for that. Just, I am aware of the lamp on the table. I am aware of being hungry. I'm aware of the sound of my voice. That's a gestalt exercise, which is fun to do in therapy. But yeah, so you're right. Nature is everything. It's not, nature is not just the woods or the mountain. It's nature is the forest or the city. It's, it's everything. So to, if you want to do nature meditations, you, you meditate wherever you are, you know, and You'll see the the weird of that place when you do that. You'll see the nature of that place. So the, the nature of the city is different than the nature of the forest. Um, and well, I should say it is different and the same, right? It's like there are similarities and there are differences. And I highly recommend that people living in cities do do this work, you know, of awareness building or, you know, I call it weird craft, but it can be called meditation. It could be called any anything, anything that makes you more aware. Practice it in the cities a lot. You know, I, I, I was living in San Francisco for 14 years and I was just, yeah, I'd meditate on the bus, you know, all sorts of noises, 
And this is a good time for boundaries too, because you have to be really aware of what's around, what's happening around you. And there can be a chaotic element to the city or to the forest. There's a lot of peaceful elements too. I mean, a lot of cities have parks uh, or small garden spaces. Some suburbs have yards and gardens. And that's nice. You can even, sorry to interrupt, you can even um, meditate on a picture of a tree. And I think there's been studies of that done showing that that has a therapeutic effect. Mm, yeah. Amazing. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So having a house plant, a pet, hanging out with your pet, you know, that's nature. Really getting to know them, getting to know the way they think, the way, why they do the things they do. Just getting really curious. I think I think curiosity is a big a big part of it. Yeah, can be curious anywhere and with anything and with anyone. But yeah, another thing, yeah, self care. You know, back to like having a guide or you know self care just and boundaries. Self care is really important. It's and that's like just taking care of yourself, eating well, drinking well, sleeping well. You know, doing your best. I think that's it. It's like everybody's doing their best, no matter what we're doing. And as we bring more and more awareness to what we're doing, hopefully we'll we'll find some love in there that can hold ourselves with compassion and and thus others with compassion too and heal together. In the city, in the forest, we're all connected. As different as we are from each other, we are all connected and we are in it to we are in it together, you know, we, and we will lose it together. Well, I appreciate you joining us on the, the podcast today. Any last thoughts or? I just appreciate having this time on my soapbox here. <laughs> thank you. It's well, great to be on the podcast. And yeah, I really love this podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. When I was, I was listening to the podcast while I was writing the book and um, got a lot of inspiration. And so I appreciate that. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. Well, Really appreciate you coming on. The book, again, is Weird Craft, Healing Self and Nature Through Mysteries of the Fates by Llewellyn Worldwide Publication. Uh, it's available at your local bookstore. Um, if your bookstore doesn't have it, ask them if they can order it. Or um, you can order it from the publisher or also online retailers. But if you can get it from your local public, your bookstore, that would be the best because uh, that helps support them and keeps them building community. I have one one little PSA. Sure. I'm, I'm going to be at a festival in Ohio called Starwood. It's an amazing week-long um, drumming, dancing, fire, magic, you know, just lots of workshops, lots of music. And I'm going to be doing some workshops there and at Sirius Rising, um, which is in western New York, I think south of Buffalo. And I'm going to be doing some workshops there. And that'll that'll be the first two. That'll be in July. The, both of those are in July. So oh, great! Come on out. They're fun, and we can get weird. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Get weird <laughs> with the source. Ash, where can people find you on social or online? At Instagram, it's actually it's all kind of the same. Weird Wild Web, and that's W Y R D, and then W I L D W E B. WeirdWildWeb.com. And the Instagram is at Weird Wild Web. All right. Well, I'll have links in our notes as well. And um, this is great. Thank you so much. And thanks for writing this. I think this is really going to be a great resource for a lot of people. And look forward to um, what else you might be coming out with. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you for listening. Please have a look at the show notes for links and, well, notes. Podcast is available from Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and other podcast catchers. Feedback and reviews are greatly appreciated. Please follow me on Instagram and Twitter at at weirdgifts1 and on Facebook at at gifts of the weird and email me at giftsoftheweird.com. Thanks and have a great day.